Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Hey, Training for Manhood listeners, this is Dan Panetti. The upcoming election in November is important, but so many people have either tuned out or are burned out on politics. I want to encourage and equip you as men to stand in the gap and take your place on the wall as guardians of the incredible freedoms that we have been given by those who have gone before us. Let us not take for granted that those liberties did not come with a great price or that they can be neglected and continue to flourish. I have asked three incredible men to share with you, our Training for Manhood listeners, some important truths about how we can best understand and engage our culture. Life is not a spectator sport. You need to be on the field, in the battle, standing for truth in a world of lies. I pray that you'll not only listen to this series and share it with others, but also put into action what you hear. The next three episodes will feature former State Representative Scott Turner and current Congressman Mike Johnson representing the 4th District of Louisiana. But today we start with an important civics lesson for my good friend and former Texas State Representative Rick Green. All right. Welcome back to Training for Manhood. I've got a longtime friend, Rick Green, with me. Rick, welcome. Hey, Dan. Good to see you, brother. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so we go we go way back, actually, um, back to the uh, the days of law school down in Austin, Texas. Um, both of us survived that uh, that process, and I was just I was thinking um, that uh, that one of the things I wanted to have you on for uh, is because you have an incredible uh, ministry, right? You do something called Patriot Academy, but you also go out and you you train people to understand uh, the importance of the Constitution uh, and how yeah. the Constitution. Um, establishes the framework for our government. And we're coming up to another election, right? Every uh, election is, you know, is tremendously important. This one, uh, you know, coming up as a midterm election. And I really wanted people to understand um, why it's important to understand government, the process, uh, to be an informed voter and to actually go vote. And I hear from a lot of people, especially uh, in uh, the more recent election, and especially in talking to young people, a lot of people are, um, you know, they're kind of um, cynical, Right. They're they're anti-government. They're um, you know, I, I can't vote for that person or whatever it is. And I, I keep on going back. It's like you don't understand how the system works. <laughs> you yeah. need to understand how the system works. Right. And it's not just the president that you're voting for. There there you know, are five hundred and thirty you know, five individuals on Capitol Hill. Right. They're all important every two years. I mean, what's coming up the midterm. Right. Every single member of the House of Representatives is up for election. A third of the Senate. I mean, these are super, super important. Uh, and so I just I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go to the, the man who knows it, uh, the man who understands the Constitution to help young people understand why is this such an important process uh, and what's our role to play as a citizen in this great country. So, Rick, where, where do you want to start? Man, well, uh, first, it's really good to see you. And like Thank you said, you. this was a, a long time ago uh, when we were together in law school, back when they used pen and paper. You remember, we actually we actually wrote stuff down. I mean, it was. We were, I mean, it's like, this is like tribal stuff, man. This is old, old, old stuff. (laughs) But four hour, you know, it's funny is, um, so in my con law class, so in the class that I studied the constitution, 
the one thing that I thought was fascinating is how we never opened the Constitution to actually exactly. read it. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, are yeah. we actually going to read the document? No, no, no. we're going to read what a bunch of judges said about the Constitution. I was exactly. Like, this is ridiculous. So super important, right, to understand the Constitution, to actually read it and to know what it says. And so I'm, I'm glad that you're out there making a difference with your organizations and ministries and training people uh, in what the Constitution says. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on to, to train my audience about the importance of what the Constitution says and how we should... Um, understand it and what my role and responsibility is. Yeah. And you know, it's a whole lot easier not to pay attention, right? It's a lot yeah, easier yeah. to not worry about yeah. who gets elected and, and uh, you know, just do our thing. And and it'd be like owning a business and, and never going to check things out to see how the business is being run or wondering why, uh, even if you don't run the business, like let's say you own this franchise, a restaurant or whatever, but somebody else runs it for you. And you just get upset because the checks you get for your royalty keep shrinking and keep shrinking and keep shrinking instead of going down to the restaurant, see what yeah. it's looking like. What's find going out on here? Who, <laughs> yeah. Who did you hire to run this thing? And if they're doing a lousy job, get rid of them and get somebody else. I mean, government's like that, right? We live yeah. in a in a wonderful system where we get to choose our leaders. Most people who ever lived on the planet did not get to do that. So we have this Amen. incredible privilege. Right. I mean, it's it's Very not just important. a right. It's a duty. You know, this yeah. is not I mean. You know, in the Bible, we're told, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. Well, we're not in the Roman Empire. Uh, we're uh, For us to apply that scripture to our system of government, we have to recognize who is Caesar. And it's not somebody in the White House. It's not right. somebody in the governor's mansion. It's you. It's me. Right. It's at the beginning of the Constitution, we the people. So if we're responsible for who's in the White House and who's in the state house and who's on the local school board or running the city council or running the parks department, if we're responsible for that, that's a duty. And I know some people don't like that. They're like, I don't want that burden. I got enough to worry about. But here's the question. Do you want to live in freedom or tyranny? And and more importantly, do you want your kids someday to yes. live in freedom or tyranny? And, and yes. if it doesn't happen by accident. It takes a uh, it takes the responsibility of good citizens saying, I'm not just going to be a leech on society and enjoy the blessings of liberty. I'm going to bear the burden. There was a guy in the Revolutionary War. Uh, named Thomas Paine that, that many of your viewers may not know. I know you know, but mm -hmm. I mean, he was, they, they say Washington's sword and, and Paine's pen, right? That's what won the war. Um, and and Paine said, you know, those who want to enjoy the blessings of liberty have to, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it. Mm, and what he's saying is so you got to act like an adult here, man. You got to yes. grow up and say, okay, uh, freedom on my watch is my responsibility. And therefore, I have to grow up and accept a responsibility just like I would in business or as a dad or or whatever other, you know, adult type thing uh, adulting is yeah. being a good citizen requires and, a little bit of homework. Yeah. And I think it was Reagan that said, right, that freedom is only one generation away um, from, you know, it not being passed on. This is not a right, right that's just simply handed on down to our kids. We we have to take a responsibility for it. But then we have to train the next generation right. to understand what that role and that responsibility is. And I think it's so important, right, that we start with that constitutional framework of what our government is, right? What yeah. is the what is the the constitutional framework of our government? How does it set up? How does it work well? And what are the things that we need to look for uh, in may, making sure that we put good people in places of leadership and positions? Well, first of all, that's one of my favorite quotes from Reagan. I actually have it on my website, mm. um, you know, and, and he says that you can't pass it to the, in the bloodstream. So just because you're born in America doesn't mean you understand this, which, of course, we see right now in the culture. Right. Because there are a lot of Americans yes. that no longer even care about the Constitution. They really do want socialism there. I mean, it's nuts out there. 
Um, and it's because we didn't do what you just said, purposely yeah. pass this and steal and, it and in the just, next generation. Real, real quickly, for a young person, just define, right, when you say they want socialism, what, what does that mean? We, we are not yeah. a socialistic government society, right? There yeah. are socialistic societies out there. What's what's the difference real quick? No, that's a great question. I mean, th- here's the thing. You have, a, you have a choice in society and everything, every policy, every politician, it all comes down to one simple question. Who decides? Right. Do you decide what to do with your money, with your job, how much to pay somebody when they come work for you, how much you're willing to go work for, how much yep. you're willing to spend on something? Do you decide what your child's education looks like or does some somebody you don't even know, some faceless, nameless bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. or in Austin or whatever, do they decide for you? And that's the real difference between freedom and mm-hmm. socialism or, or, or communism. And I always say communism is just socialism with a gun. I yeah. mean, they're essentially the same outcome, which is that some small group of people is deciding for everybody what their life's going to be like. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, literally controlling everything about their their life. And so socialism has never worked. It always destroys a country. It always brings everybody down to the lowest common denominator rather than giving people the opportunity to rise up and and work hard. And, uh, found, the founding fathers like Thomas Jefferson would talk about if you if somebody works hard and they put their elbow grease in and they put the effort in and they produce and then you take that from them to go give to somebody that wasn't willing to work, that that violates the basic concept of association and society that you're, you're yes. destroying society. And that's what yep. socialism does. It says and, and th- Dan worked hard. Rick was lazy. We're going to take Dan's money and give it to Rick because we feel bad for Rick. Well, yep. that's not yep. fair. <laughs> I don't know if you're a fan. The Law by uh, Friedrich Bastia yes, is, absolutely. Is, is my favorite book. If somebody wants a short, just kind of synopsis of why socialism doesn't work and what the problems with socialism are, Bastier's kind of like exposure of it, I think, is a very yes. simple way of looking at it and saying, here's here's the concept, right? It doesn't work for um, the person who they're taking, that government is taking the money from because they feel violated instead of being generous. Yep. It doesn't work for the person that they're giving the money to because they're not receiving a gift. Um, they're just getting something that the government stole from somebody else. And so they're not receiving it well. And they said it, it ruins both and it's inefficient. Right. So if I wanted to give you, you know, hey, Rick, you're down on your luck. Here's a hundred bucks. Right. I would give it to you. And here's a hundred dollars. But if it goes through the government, my hundred dollars, by the time it gets to you is a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. And 99, 99 of it went to the governmental system. And so me trying to help you, I'm still at a hundred dollars, but you only have a buck in your pocket. And the governmental system, as it grows and it expands, it never shrinks itself. And we have to remember right. that concept. No, you're, you're spot on, man. That's actually required reading for students that come through Love Patriot it. Academy. It's one of the yes. required things to, to read when they w- when they come. And and it's so true. And the analogy you just used is, is is perfect. I mean, think about this way. Congressman Bob McEwen says it this way. He says, if if, if when you take money from one to give to another in a government mm-hmm. system, you're always going to provide whatever that is at a lower quality. Absolutely. Um, you know, because if I if I'm buying you a gift with my money, then price matters to me. Yep. Um, and, and quality matters, but not as much as if I was buying me something, right? If I'm spending my money on me, price <laughs> and quality matter. If Amen. I'm spending it on you, price still matters because my money quality, yeah, Dan's the one that's going to use it, not me, but I don't want to be yep. a jerk yep. and he knows I gave it to him. But what if, what if I'm taking a hundred dollars from somebody else yes. and I'm going to give you something from them? Now, price and quality don't matter at all. And that's what every government transaction is. I'm taking money from one to provide something for someone else. Price and quality don't matter. That's why they spend way more than they should. And it always... My, yeah. my, my son just turned 16, right? We went in for the driver's license. I was and thinking I, the DMV. I know, I know, I know, I know we use this every <laughs> single time. But here's the thing that happened, right? There's now a private company 
um, that, you know, DPS allows, um, you know, the DMV allows you to go through that particular private company. So for my first son um, that we went into the DMV, he took the test right immediately as he was like one mile an hour over the speed limit. They're like, turn around, go back. You failed. And he's like, what? Like, I mean, I've been on the road for like five minutes. I said, here's the deal. Government doesn't care if you pass or fail. They show up tomorrow. Right. They, they don't have to, you know, hey, what's your pass rate? You know, zero. Yep. Who cares? Yep. Right. There's no yep. accountability. Right. They, they could pass everybody. They could fail everybody. Who cares? But this little private company, they care if you're a good driver or not. And they care what kind of people they're putting out on the road. So it's a totally different environment. And if yep. people could just understand that concept is what are your interactions with government and how well do they go? Right. And if they don't go well, can you imagine not having an opportunity to be able to complain and say, hey, That's I don't right. I don't want to go through this particular company anymore. I'm going to choose company B over here. Well, when it's government, there's no company B. That's right. <laughs> and there, and there's no. A. Yeah. And there's no rationale. There's no logic. It's just arbitrary. And cra it's why COVID got so crazy, because oh, we empowered God, yes. government to make all these decisions for people. And it became complete insanity. I mean, the things yes. we did had no logic, no basis in science. But that's what happens whenever you hand the decision making over to someone that doesn't have to live with the consequences of their decision. And that's the real difference in freedom and, yep. and socialism and freedom. Yep. You know, you get the freedom to make the decision, but you do have to live with the consequences. And so some people like socialism because it takes the burden off of them. Somebody's going to take care of me. Freedom yeah. is harder than slavery. It honestly is. You have to if you're a slave, somebody controls everything in your life, but they provide for you. They take care of everything. And it's easy to get spoiled in that. Whereas freedom says, you know what? I have to live with the consequences. I've got to work hard every day. I have to get out of bed. I have to go provide. I have to live with, if I fail, if I risk my money on a business venture and, and it doesn't work, I have to pick myself up and pay everybody back and go to, oh no, you don't have to do that anymore. Government will take care of that. They'll bail you out. They'll, yep. And if you made bad decisions and they bail you out for it, are you going to make bad decisions again? Of course, because you didn't have to live with the consequences. So yeah. Socialism doesn't work. It never has. We're not designed as a socialist system. I mean, our, you know, you mentioned our, how does our system work? Yeah. I think one of the most important things for people to understand is that we're number one, we're not a democracy because if we were a democracy, then everybody would vote on everything. And the founding yeah. fathers of America said that's mobocracy. It leads to violence. They called a democracy work. one of the greatest yeah. of evils. I mean, and then 51 percent of the people rule 49 percent. So nobody's happy. So, yeah, exactly. So we and if you're in power, you, you call everybody else a threat to society and you shut them down. I mean, nobody oh, wants that. You know, it sounds familiar, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, familiar, yeah, yeah, yeah it sounds like the. The emperor. Uh, anyway, so but yes. but if if um if 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 you but even even a pure republic is not as good as what we have because with a pure republic we would just elect good who we thought were the best send them off to Washington or send them off to Austin and say do whatever you think is best with no right. limits. Well, now they can also be just as bad as a dictator if they have sure. no limits. Sure. But beautifully for us, we're not a republic. We're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic, which means. We do elect people to go make those decisions because, Dan, we don't have time to study the nuance of every decision that government's going to make. So we need somebody to go really study that hard, make good decisions for us, represent as best they can what we our values are. But we want to limit them. We want to say, OK, right. you get to make the best decisions, but only only according to what this piece of paper says. You can't go beyond this. And <laughs> that's what a constitutional republic does. Thankfully for us, our founding fathers created a constitution with only 15 enumerated powers. After 27 amendments, there's two more powers. So there's only 17 things 
that they're supposed to do at the federal level. Now, obviously, they're doing like 17,000 things that they're yes. not supposed to be doing. So they're way outside what that paper says right now, which is what we're all about at Patriot Academy is restoring the limitations of government. But that concept, I think, is really important to get jurisdiction, limitations, authority. Those kind of words need to come back to our vernacular where we say, OK, government's a good thing. It's a blessing. It's not a curse if it's in its lane, It's if it's within those boundaries. When it gets outside its boundaries, it becomes a curse because now well, it's controlling our lives. Yeah. So one of the things that happened recently was a check on our government was the Dobbs decision that came down yeah. uh, where the Supreme Court looked at a case, Roe versus Wade, right, uh, that's 49 years old. Uh, and it basically said you had no business <laughs> to, to yeah. do this. Right. You had no business to take away from the states who were regulating this particular you know, issue of, of abortion um, and all of a sudden make it a federal you know, right to uh, privacy. Right. It's not in the Constitution. Um, and even though, you know, five Supreme Court justices or six at that point, whatever said it was right today, the idea is, no, that that's that's not what government does. And so I look at the Dobbs decision as a, an incredible reminder of how government is supposed to work. Right. We're supposed to send uh, men and women to Capitol Hill who are uh, going to look at the laws that need to be made. Right. We're going to have an executive that's going to put those uh, you know, into power. Right. We're going to have a Supreme Court that looks at it and says, hey, do you have the right to even pass those? Right. And when those three branches of government work together, um, I know. Right. That our framers set it up so that it wasn't going to be a smooth process and, you know, millions and millions of bills were going to get passed. But it was going to be a process that that's only right. the best ideas would actually get done and be put into, right, the, the government that governs least is the government that governs best, right? Yes. And I, I want that. I want to return to that particular concept. And so it's important for young people to understand that, that they have that role and that responsibility to make sure that the people that they're sending, right, not only on the federal level, but the state and the local level, are people who have that idea of a limited government, that they're holding to a particular framework, right? And you and I would say, right, it's a constitutional republic. That's an important part. They have to be willing. Like when, if you're when you're choosing a leader, you've got to choose someone that is willing to say no and to have restraint yes. and and willing to Amen. say like a virtuous leader would not use power that they weren't given by the people. And that's right. what Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas and you know that's what they did with the Dobbs decision. And they made yep. that whole case. That whole argument was the people. <laughs> we don't have the power to do this. I I, Dan, yes. that's the first time in my lifetime that that yeah. a federal actor, a federal official has said, I don't have the power to do this. That's I'm right. not going to act where I don't have power. Where they used to do that all the time, they would kick it over to another agency or another, I'm not an agency, I'm sorry, another uh, branch of government or to another level of government. Feds would say, hey, we can't do that. That's the states or states would say we can't do And that was appropriate. They haven't done that for a long time. Every yes. politician wants to be the savior. You know, it's like, you have a problem, I'll solve your problem for you. Um, instead of saying, I recognize you have that problem, but that's not in my domain. I don't have permission Right. To solve that problem for you. And so if it's not in the do domain of the government, what happens then, right, it becomes the domain of the church or the that's domain right. of the family. That's right. right. And that that's why those two roles have shrunk so much, because government has expanded. So yep. now the role of the church is not as influential or the role of the family is not as influential. Right. I don't have to raise my kids well because the that's government's right. going to take care of them. And it's just like, no, 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 that <laughs> it's my responsibility. In fact, um, a report that came out about COVID you were just talking about, you know, is how education and kids lost so much in education and how the school systems didn't do well and things like that. And, and I, I totally understand that. And I, I grasp the concept of it. But I, I also think education is my primary responsibility as the That's parent. Right. So right. if the school system didn't do its job, right, and my kid's sitting at home and I'm like, hey, who's going to educate my kid? Well, guess what? 
I am. That's right. And if the school system shut down because of COVID, well, then I'm going to go buy books and I'm going to teach my kid, right? It's my responsibility. I can't blame everybody else. Now, um, does that mean that I don't believe the school system? I mean, yeah, I should have, you know, it should have stayed open. They should have done their job, all those different things. But at the end of the day, I think we've become too much of people who are looking for government to take care. um, And we've given up those rights and responsibilities that are, that should be in the home or should be the role and responsibility of the church to come alongside those people in need as well. Which do, which always does a better job. You 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 always. mentioned it earlier. Like if you if you give right now, when 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 people say, "Well, I want to take care of the poor. I want to take care of this person in need." Okay, well, if you really care about them, then you will be against government doing it, so right. that you can do a better job in your community On because your the community right. is twice as effective. A church or a philanthropic organization. You mentioned the hundred dollars for every hundred dollars that you take from a citizen and use government, thirty percent gets to the person in need. That's it. Seventy percent mm. all spent on bureaucracy. For every hundred dollars you take, or, or people are will, able to donate freely to whichever group they want to donate to, private organizations, sixty percent gets to the person in need. So that's twice as effective. Twice yep. as effective. God's way is not only right; it works best. And there's nowhere in the Bible where He says for government to take care of the poor. It's always about us as individuals. We're supposed to do it. The church is supposed to do it. So it's another example of if government's in its lane, it's a blessing. Gets outside sure. its lane. The war on poverty since the '60s has created more poverty than anything we ever. We ever did. And it's because yeah. government war on stepped poverty, in where we war should on be. drugs, our education right. system. I mean, you name it. Right. I mean, right. Amen. So I got a young guy. Right. Yeah. He's he's, you know, um, got his first job. He's out of college. He, he's trying to figure out um, what's my role. What's my responsibility? Where do I get educated? What are the things that I'm looking for um, in individuals that I want to go to the ballot box and I want to vote for? And, and here's the thing. Right. A lot of people are um, anti-party. Right. You know, yeah. uh, this is this isn't a Republican or a Democrat thing. And I'm like, OK, I get it. But just understand there are party systems that we have. That's right. Um, so don't neglect that concept. Right. Don't be a person who just says, well, you know, hey, I'm never going to vote this because that's not my party. It's like but but parties are important. So what yeah. would you say, though, to that young person? Where would you yeah. start and what would what would be kind of the things that they really have to do? Well, I'm, I'm going to be biased and and uh, self-promote here for a second. But number like one, it. take a Constitution class. Get get on oh, patreonacademy.com. <laughs> take one of our Constitution classes. They're free. We give them away for Good. free. And it's they're Good. not boring. They're entertaining and fun. Uh, yes. And we even do live ones where you do it together and all that. So it'll give you just a real crash course on here's how the system works. Um, and and, and the, to the party issue, it's so important because parties are just kind of how we – gather together. It's it's almost yeah. like a fraternity on campus, yeah. right? When you go to college, you get, you join some fraternity or some Bible club or whatever it might be because you're looking to associate with people that are thinking like you mm-hmm. and then being a, be able to, if necessary, join together to go ask the president of the university to, to do something. Okay. So that's really what parties do. Yeah. And, and the most important thing to learn about parties is that we have primaries. And when you have a primary, that's where you're choosing let me put it this way. In November, think of November as being the the um, the party where where people show up and and everybody shows up for the party and whatever foods on the table, you have to pick from whatever's there. The primary is the people that got there early and chose what the food was going to be on the table. Amen. So you set the table for everybody else and they have to choose from what you chose. Yeah. So, and hey, so when you vote in a Republican. A vegeta- yeah. If you're a vegetarian or you're vegan and you don't like what's there. It's because you weren't in the primary. Exactly right. <laughs> right? Exactly go, right. Go back, go back in the March primary, right? Figure out which party be- best represents your views and values. Yes. Find the best people within that party and vote for them. When it comes to November, right, you're walking in and the table's already set. That's so exactly don't, right. Don't whine and complain about the food that's there. 
pick something up and eat it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. And then, I and then the it. second, the second take home lesson on party is that even if, um, even if the person running for the party that you pretty well align with mm-hmm. doesn't align with you really close, right? That person is going to influence how the legislature or the Congress um, gathers and and caucuses and who the majority is. And so your person that represents your county, let's say, in the state legislature may not be real close to you on your belief system. But you vote. The reason party is important is because that person then when they get in the legislature, if if they if their party is in the majority, then that's going to control the agenda. So yep. just to use a, a partisan example, OK, so let's let's take life, for instance. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're pro-life and you're against abortion, then then the Republican Party is pro-life. The Democrat Party is pro-abortion. And it's mm-hmm. almost almost straight down the line. And right. so if Republicans are in charge of a legislature, then you'll see legislation coming to the floor for debate and to be voted on. That's all about pro-life, protecting life, all this kind of stuff, more adoption, those types of things. If the if a Dem- if the Democrats control that legislature, those bills will not even get to the floor. You won't even get a chance to debate them. The only bills that will get there are pro-abortion. So even if let's say in my county and I'm pro-life, but my Republican that is the 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 nominee to run, to be the Republican or to be the, the state rep is not very pro-life or not as pro-life as I am. Well, I'm not going to go vote for a really pro-abortion Democrat that's going to help the Democrats control the legislature that won't even allow a pro-life bill to come up for a vote. I'm going to vote for this guy or gal that's not as pro-life as me, but is with the right party because of the effect it has on the actual legislative process a year later. That's really complicated and in the weeds. But I just think when we talk party, two things to remember, vote in the primary and then you should figure out which party best represents your values. Sometimes you'll vote against that party. I'm not I'm not a, a you know a straight ticket voter. I like to really look at all the candidates because, like you said, it's about the principles, not the party. But party does determine how government actually operates once you get past the election. And now they're actually governing. So it is yes. still really important. Sorry yes. to go so now, far in the weeds on no, that. No, you're good. Uh, how, how long ago was it? Because you were the youngest. Uh, state representative in the in the Texas, uh, you know, uh, uh, House legislature, right? Um, you know, back in those olden days Austin. when we were writing with pen and paper, and back I had hair, and it was and dark, had, yes. and and yeah. all that good stuff. But uh, you, twenty twenty two years know, ago, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you you know the process because you've been you've been in it, yeah. right? And and you and you've watched. But that's a that's a really important reminder um, yeah. that you know if the person on the ticket or the person on the ballot um, isn't necessarily li- aligned with you one hundred percent, you know. When I when I listen to people and they're like, hey, you know, I'm the people who are, you know, anti-Trumpers, never Trumpers, right? And right. It's like, whoa, whoa, easy. Like, you know, um, you know, you have to understand that party does play in a tremendous role once a person gets in and they want to legislate, right? Who controls the house and That's what right. bills are coming up and who's gonna be and you will never you right? will never find the perfect candidate. I I have no. never found a candidate I agree with hundred percent of the time ever, right? I mean, even Dan, if you were running in my district, there's probably something we would disagree on, right? We're not gonna probably agree not. on. Every agree on everything. <laughs> so you so you got to do what my mom always says. My mom always says, do the best you can with what you got where you are, Amen. which means Amen. you look at all the candidates, you go, which one's best? I mean, there's no there's no Jesus Christ is not on the ballot. That's They're right. all David's and, and uh, you know, uh, Paul's and Peter's and they all sinned. They all did bad things. All of them. They're all, all flawed of jars of clay, yep. but God can still use them. So we just go with the one that best represents a biblical worldview. That's how I, I look at it. Wh- whichever That's one's right. best represent a biblical worldview, which is hopefully the view that I'm I'm after, 
um, then then I vote for them and then work hard to have a better candidate next time. And maybe some of those watching uh, what we're doing right now, maybe they're going to be the, the candidates and eventually eventually run. But the good thing about our system is no matter what you do for a living, if you're a mechanic, if you're a lawyer, if you're uh, in business, if you're an educator, whatever you do, you still have the same vote that I do or that I Dan does. It. Every yes. single one of us have yes. a voice. You can go. I went and testified at the State Board of Education last week, Dan, and most of the people that testified were stay-at-home moms, yep. uh, pastors, um, you know, people from every walk of life. Most of them had never done anything like that before, and they changed the vote of the State Board of Education yeah. because they were to be willing to show up. You just need to have some passion and care about Absolutely. something. Absolutely. Okay, so la last question, and that yeah. is just um, the Electoral College. And I, I don't want to get too much into the weeds, and I know yeah. this isn't a presidential election, but a lot of people that I talk to, especially young people, kind of have a problem with understanding uh, the Electoral College. And I, I keep going back to it's a piece of the puzzle. If you understand the whole puzzle, yeah. um, you'll get you'll get the concept of how important it is, right, to have the big states and the little states and to make sure that, you know, everybody in California who votes in one way and everybody in New York, New York who votes in one way, right, the rest of us aren't controlled by them. So any thoughts about just the electoral yeah. college that might help people understand that just a little bit? Yeah. And, and, and one last thing on the, on the voting thing, ivoterguide.com is a great okay. website to go to where you can see all the candidates that are running in your area. You just put in your address and it kind of ranks them on a lot of different things. It gives you a chance to just kind of tell who am I going to go vote. And I'll tell you that I show up sometimes. And by the time I get down to some of those races, I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. I mean, you <laughs> do have to do your homework before you, you go in. Yeah, you got to do your homework. Um, but but I'll say this about the Electoral College. It's kind of like baseball. Listen, whoever wins the World Series is not the team that scored the most runs out of all seven games. Right. It's whoever won the most games, right? And yep. so we don't we don't allow somebody to run up the score in game one and three and five, but then the other team wins four games. But because you scored more runs overall, you're the champion. Not at all. So that's why national popular vote's a bad idea. It's not about who gets the most votes nationwide. It's about who can win each of those individual game individual games all over the nation, which requires you to be a better candidate. So you can't just win in the big cities. You can't just win in a particular region. The founders debated this over and over when they did the Constitution. They said, we need somebody that can both win a sufficient amount of the vote and a sufficient distribution of the vote. So even though they may not even win the majority of the vote, did they do a better job of the distribution and get regional, you know, be able to get all the regions yeah. across the country? So that was the, yeah. the, the the mind-set behind it. I love it. And, and by the way, way about 15% of the time in Major League Baseball playoffs, the team that scored the least number of runs in the series wins the series. So it happens all the time, and That's it actually right. makes you be a better team to be able to win across the, the whole country, and in this case, the better candidate to be able to win win the presidency. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, you've given guys some great, um, you know, tools, some resources, um, you know, constitutional class. I love it. You know, the, the, the iVoter website, I'll, I'll put a link on to that. Uh, any last thoughts for guys uh, as they're thinking about the coming uh, midterm election in November? Yeah, this may not sound too nice, though, Dan. Listen, uh, guys, it's not an option. This is a duty and a responsibility. Um, you are commanded to occupy until he returns mm. to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, which means be a good citizen. That's how you that's how you do Caesar well 
is you be a good citizen and being a good citizen means you got to vote. You got to let your voice be heard. Um, wouldn't it be a shame if uh, you find out the local school board race was a one vote margin and somebody got in there that's a total communist and they're tearing people apart, dividing us based on race or gender or whatever. And now they're putting that into the minds of the children and your one vote could have changed that and put somebody in there that's all about let's have a unified country and a unified community. You can make a difference. Every vote counts. Dan, I don't know if you remember my first race for the legislature. I lost by 20 votes out of 30,000. Wow. We had a recount and I won by 36 votes. Oh, man. It, every vote counts. Every, vote every counts. single vote you, you counts. Are, you are the living proof of that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Rick, I appreciate what you do. I love what you stand for. Um, if you were running again, right, I'd be voting for you. Um, and uh, uh, I just wanted to thank you for taking out some time and, and sharing with our guys um, how to understand this process and make sure that they are uh, equipped and prepared and have the responsibility to go out there and be men uh, and be active and engaged citizens in our country. So thank you, man. I, I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate what you're doing. And I do want to say to the guys, listen, don't, don't think you got to be an expert. You don't have to know everything. I get stumped every time I do a constitution class, somebody asks me a question. I don't know the answer to, you don't have to know all the answers. You just have to be willing and you yeah. got to be hungry and start investing a little bit of time. Don't forget this nation began because a bunch of guys said, I'll give my life, That's my right. fortune and my sacred honor. Sacred honor. So That's right. You just give a little bit of your time, a couple hours a week, maybe get in a class or whatever, a little bit of your money, maybe donate to a candidate or two. Even if you're not making big bucks yet, donate 10 bucks or whatever, because you're investing in freedom oh, and then your sacred it. honor, stand up and speak truth. Be bold. Mm. We need courageous men right now. I think mm. that's what the nation's been missing. So go be courageous. Man, it's awesome. Rick, thank you for your time. You bet, brother. God bless you, man. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.